You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Good morning, Life for Family. If you don't know me, uh, my name is Adam McKeldry. I have the pleasure and honor of serving this family as the associate pastor here on staff. You know, this year so far is not uh, shaping up to be much different than its predecessor. Um, There is still a lot of unrest and division, not only in our country, but within families, within ourselves. And what better time for us to be talking about rest than right now? The good news in all that is that we do have the ability to have rest. Our rest is not dependent on the things that are going on around us, not dependent on the people around us, but on God. And he gives us the Sabbath as an invitation, as a gift to rest in him. And that's why we are going through a Sabbath series. Uh, So we started this Sabbath series two weeks ago, and we wanted to build a foundation for our understanding of what Sabbath is and how to practice it. So we started two weeks ago talking about work. And we believe that it was very crucial for us to understand that work is not a bad thing. In fact, when we go back into the text, we see that work is also a gift that the, the Lord has given us. It appears even before the fall when he puts Adam into the garden and, and tells him to work it. So when we Sabbath, we're not just taking a break from the struggles and toils of our job to try to take a day off. It's actually a good thing. It's this invitation from God to accept this gift. And if we have a, a good understanding of what work is, then we're able to really truly rest and, and have find joy in Sabbath. And then last week, Josh talked about trust. And he, looked, he took us back into Exodus 16, which is the place that we first find the word Sabbath. And this is a story for the Israelites when they had just come out of Egypt and they were hungry and God gave them manna. And he told them, for six days you can collect the manna, the food that you need, but on the seventh you're not supposed to. Rest, take the day off. And so he was asking them to trust what he could do for them, asking them to trust that he was going to provide for them everything that they needed. Trust that he loved them enough that he would give them rest from their work. Today, we're not in there yet. We'll get there soon in Exodus chapter 20 here. But today, we are going to start to narrow this focus of what Sabbath is. And we're going to look... Into Exodus chapter 20, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. And these are the two parts in the text that we see the the full list of the Ten Commandments uh, put out there in God's Word. And one of the things I want us to look at as we read particularly what he says about the Sabbath is that there are actually two interrelated commandments at work within the commandment to Sabbath. There's the commandment to to uh, remember the Sabbath, and to observe it. 
Today we're going to focus mostly on the remember portion of the, the Sabbath command and we'll skim across the observe part. But do not fear, we're not going to save that for another day. Actually, we are going to save it for another day, next week. Next week we're going to start talking about the observe act aspect of this sermon. We're going to start to look at what it practically means in your life to Sabbath. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, go to Exodus 20 with me. If you have neither of those, we will have it on the screen up here and for you guys joining us online as well. Before I get too far into the the text here, let me just quickly build the story, remind us of what has happened so far for the Israelites. So they were slaves and they were in bondage to the Egyptians for centuries And then God delivered them by his mighty hand through Moses, and they were able to leave Egypt, and they crossed through the Jordan River on dry land. And as they journeyed through the desert and got thirsty, God gave them water to drink from a bitter well that he made sweet. And then when they were hungry, he gave them manna and quail from out of nowhere. And then they had to fight a battle. They fought and won a battle against the Amalekites. And now here they are at the foot of Mount Sinai with Moses at the top. And they're waiting for the word of the Lord from Moses to come down. So let's read what some of those words were that God gave his people on how they should be living. Exodus 20, we're going to start in verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to your Lord, to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do no, shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the God, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So that's what, that's the version that we have in Exodus. Let's move over to Deuteronomy 5. And in Deuteronomy, this takes place approximately 40 years later. The Israelites had just gotten done wandering around in the desert for 40 years, which was a consequence of their sin. When they had come to the promised land the first time, And they sent in spies to check out the land. They were afraid and did not trust that God was going to deliver the land in their hands. And so God made them wander the desert for 40 years till that generation that was over the age of 20 died out. So here they are again, standing at the cusp of moving into the promised land to take hold of it, the promised land that God had, had promised them. And Moses is again giving them the instructions of how to live. Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall work and do all your work, or labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that, so that your male ser- female servants may rest as you do. 
Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that, you, <clears throat> that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. These two different texts are really similar, but there are some pretty cool distinctions between the two of them. And in the midst of all this, I think there are three particular things that God is calling his people and I think this includes us as well, to remember when we are remembering Sabbath. The first one is if we look at those first two and a half verses that are found in both sections, where God's, in Exodus it starts off, remember the Sabbath, but in Deuteronomy it starts off, observe the Sabbath. So am I supposed to remember why I'm Sabbathing, or am I supposed to be just following the rules and observing it? Well, the answer is yes, both. I feel like it's a question that I pose to my children. Are you doing this or doing that? Yeah. Which one is it? We're doing both. This is where the two interconnected pieces of the commandment of Sabbath come from. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot remember what God has done for you and what he has brought you through without doing something about it. And vice versa, if you're doing something but you're not remembering why you're doing it, it's empty. In the midst of all this, I think God is calling his people to remember back to the time that he gave them the lesson of the manna. Remember that time in the desert when you were hungry? Remember when I gave you what you needed? Do you remember how we had to kill off your old self, your old way of living and your old way of thinking? Do you remember when you didn't know what it meant to rest? Do you remember how I showed you that I was a different God than the gods that you had seen at work in Egypt? a God who loves you and cares for you, who will provide for you exactly what you will need, a God who gives you rest in the midst of your work. Do you remember that you can trust me? So that first part is, do you remember to trust God? The second thing that I see within these two texts is actually in the last verse where he, in Exodus, he calls back to Genesis and the creation. But over in Deuteronomy, he reminds them of Exodus from Egypt. And over the last couple of months, I've been reading several books about Sabbath and preparation for this. And I came across this really excellent description of what is going on here between the two differences. And rather than butchering a paraphrase for you guys of what I read, I'm just going to read straight from the book. This book is called The Rest of God, Restoring Your Soul by Restoring Sabbath by Mark Buchanan. Here's what Mark says about the differences going on between these last two verses. Exodus grounds Sabbath in creation. Deuteronomy grounds it in liberation. Exodus remembers Eden, Deuteronomy, Egypt. In Exodus, 
Sabbath keeping is about imitating divine example and receiving divine blessing. In Deuteronomy, it is about holding, taking hold of divine deliverance and observing divine command. Exodus looks up. Deuteronomy looks back. Exodus gives theological rationale for rest and Deuteronomy historical justification for it. One evokes God's character, the other his redemption. One calls us to holy mimicry, be like God, the other to holy defiance, never be slaves again. One reminds us that we are God's children, the work of his hands, the other that we are no one's chattel. If you are like me and just heard the word chattel and have no idea what that meant, I did the work for you and looked it up. Personal possession or property. You're welcome. Not Pharaoh's, not Nebuchadnezzar's, not Xerxes, not Beelzebub's. One is invitation, the other is warning. Sabbath is rooted in memory. Remembering who God is and remembering what he has done in our lives. The third thing that I want to draw out of this section of text is sandwiched between the two of these things. Right in the middle there, a a short piece of text that I easily have glossed over numerous times because I'm just reading it off and I'm like, okay, yes, don't work, this person don't work, that person will work. But I think that there is something inside here that God is calling us to remember that is super important for us. And that's what we're gonna focus on for the rest of the day. So right after God says, you shall not do any work on the seventh day, He says, neither should your son or your daughter. Well, that makes sense. I mean, if God is for me, of course he would be for my family. So I want my family to rest too. Thank you, God. I appreciate that. But he doesn't stop there. He says, neither should your male or female servant. Oh, wait a second. God, how how am I supposed to rest if I, who's going to cook my meal? Who's going to clean up for me? Who's going to take care of me so that I can rest? But it doesn't stop there. There's more. Nor should your animals. That's weird. Nor should the foreigner who is living amongst you. They shouldn't work on the seventh day either. I feel like this is an oddly specific list that God gives his people. And as I sat and asked why, why, God, are you listing out these things so specifically? It seems a little weird to me. If you go to the end of that verse in Deuteronomy, I think he gives us the answer. He says, so that they may rest as you do. Sabbath is not just about you, me, individually getting rest and being restored. Sabbath is about remembering our community. Sabbath exists for everybody. In fact, for the whole creation. And at the time God gave them this word, as they had just 
come out of Egypt. This idea that Sabbath rest, being able to take some time off, was for everybody and all of creation, that idea probably blew their minds. Because you have to remember where they just came out of. In Egypt, they didn't get to take a day off from their jobs. They didn't get to experience what rest was. They didn't get to experience restoration. And because they didn't get to take time off and they didn't get to rest, that meant their animals that they used to work didn't get to take time off and the land that they had to work didn't get to rest. Their only experience with rest was watching the wealthy and powerful of Egypt experience it. Actually, probably the only experience that they had with rest was being the facilitators of bringing rest to those wealthy and rich, not being the recipients of it. So it's super imperative for them to know that and understand that God is for everyone. His rest, his mercy, his grace, his love, his restoration is for all of creation, not just them. And when we live out of this rest and we live out of this restoration, it gives the opportunity for us to bring that same rest and that same restoration to those who are around us. And when we do this, we are putting God on display. We are declaring to the greater community around us who our God is, that he is a God of rest, that he is a God of restoration. And we invite those around us to experience that with us. We find ways to bring that into their lives as well. Unfortunately, over the course of time, this heart of putting God on display to the community by inviting them into our rest, by inviting them into our restoration, lost out to the desire to figure out the best way to do Sabbath. By the time Jesus comes on the scene, the religious elite had created all of these rules to surround the core principles that God had given them. And they created rules around those rules in an effort to try to help the people not break the commands that God had given them, but they had lost the heart of why they were doing it. Emphasis was just on obeying the rule, individual obedience, rather than being a blessing to those around you. It's like they adopted this lifestyle that their elaborate obedience equated to a greater love of God. And Jesus came along and challenged that mindset every opportunity that he had. I want to take some time here and jump to a story in Matthew chapter 12, a time where Jesus challenges the Pharisees about their mindset, in particular with regards to Sabbath. So turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 12. Even having it marked, I can't get to it. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, 
Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath day in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known that these were what these words meant, I desire mercy, not great sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from this place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Jesus, he would have known that these guys, of course, had read the stories about David and his companions going into the house of God and eating that bread. Of course they would know that the priests who desecrate Sabbath and working in there on the Sabbath day are innocent. He was calling them back to the heart of why we Sabbath. Letting them know that what was going on, what he and his guys were doing was was far greater than even what was going on then. If you guys could just see that there is something bigger going on, if you could just see that it's about showing mercy and not just doing things. But they didn't. And so they kept pressing him on the issue. And they asked him if you could heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus, in typical rabbi fashion, answered their question with a better question. And his question was similar to one that they had probably asked themselves or debated with their fellow Pharisees. But rather than it being about your neighbor's donkey falling in a pit and whether or not you should help pull it out, he personalized it and said, what about you? What if you had an animal? What if you had a sheep fall into a pit on a Sabbath? Wouldn't even you pull it out? Wouldn't even you rescue it? And how much more valuable are people than that? Over in Mark 2, where this same story appears, in verse 27, Jesus summed it up like this. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. I mean, really, when you think about it, is there any better day to be remembering your community and doing good for those around you than Sabbath day? A day that God designed and created for us to remember who he is and what he's done for us. A day in which we are supposed to find rest and restoration in our own lives. And out of that, 
bring rest and restoration to those who are around us. As much as I don't like to admit it, I am a lot like those Pharisees. I love rules. I really think that rules are the best thing that we have on this planet. Most of them. But like the Pharisees, I too sometimes create rules around rules. This is very evident when it comes to playing card games and board games with my family during the holidays. We love playing games. We will stay up till all hours of the night playing games. But it, and we like to learn new games too. Anytime we get a new game, I go straight for the instruction book and I read that thing from cover to cover because I want to make sure that one, I know how to play the game properly and I'm going to make sure that everybody else does too. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, knowing the rules. I mean, it brings order to chaos, right? Yeah. But the problem arises when we're in the middle of a game, having fun, and I put a stop to everybody's fun because somebody did something that was against the rules. And when they don't believe me, I grab the book and I say, it's right here in black and white. You can't do that. I feel justified, but I have just stolen that moment of joy and fun from my family. I am not adding to our experience by any means. In those moments, I have forgotten the purpose of why we're even doing it in the first place, to enjoy each other's company, to have fun, and all I do is detract from those moments. And God's been telling me in the last couple of weeks as I've been, as we've been going through Sabbath, he's like, that's how you're handling Sabbath too. You're forgetting the reason why. Me personally. Which is interesting because I grew up not knowing a lot about Sabbath. I have grown up in the church, but Sabbath was not anything more than just Sunday, you're not supposed to work, stores are closed. Like just, that's all I knew about it. And as I've learned more and more over time, God's just been really revealing me, especially in the last couple of weeks, you are missing some really crucial elements to your Sabbath, Adam. I'm not remembering the core principles and the core purposes of why God gave it to me in the first place. To me, this is what he said this to me. He said, Sabbath is more than obeying a list of do's and do nots. Sabbath demonstrates to the community who our God is. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, man, I want nothing more than to put God on display well. I want people to look at me, spend time with me, and feel like they saw and spent time with God. I want them to see his love, his mercy, his grace, the rest that he gives my soul, the restoration that he has done in my life. I want people to see that and experience that, and I want to be a facilitator 
of that for other people as well. But I can't if I'm not remembering the community around me before that. I am trying to personally make mistakes or steps and getting better at observing and practicing and remembering Sabbath better. And for me, it begins with my mindset. Like, why am I doing Sabbath? Am I just checking a box of do's and do nots? Or am I actually remembering what God has done and remembering the people who are around me and thinking about how I can bring rest and restoration to them? This last week, as I was, as God was working through this with me, and I try to Sabbath, I, do, I try to do Friday nights through Saturday nights. And as I was prepping to do this stuff and thinking about it, God working on me, trying to change my mindset, I'm like, okay, God, how can I remember community this weekend as I try to rest in you? And as silly as it sounds, he said, uh, think about what you do on Friday nights. Like, what are you talking about? On Friday nights, typically, my wife and I will be watching the show, and it'll be 11.30 at night, and she's already fallen asleep, and then finally wakes up and is like, I got to go to sleep. I'm like, I'm not tired. I can do another episode or three. You, get, you go to sleep. I'm going to just keep going. All the while knowing that my dogs are going to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and want to go outside. And I rarely go back to sleep after I let them out. And so I hit Saturday going exhausted, physically and mentally exhausted because I got hardly any sleep. And I'm not resting myself. I'm not restoring myself at all. And I cannot bring rest or restoration to those around me, especially my family, because I am grumpy. I'm moody. I'm impatient. I am bringing no Sabbath to the community around me. Well, this last Friday, God presented me with that opportunity to see if I was going to take that first step, and I went to bed, which was awesome. Baby steps, right? I don't know where you guys are with regards to Sabbath. Maybe you're here today and you have been practicing Sabbath amazing. You rock at it. Awesome. Keep doing it. Maybe you don't Sabbath at all. But regardless of where you are on that spectrum, I want to challenge all of us to do two things this week. First thing I want us to do is I want you to actually stop and reflect on why it is that you do or do not Sabbath. Is it just a list of rules that you have to do? Is it just an, a break from the exhausting six days beforehand? Or can it be something more? And after you've spent some time reflecting on why you Sabbath, 
I would like to encourage you guys to do something similar to that. I, I did this last week. What is something, one thing, this week, leading up to the day that you Sabbath, whatever day that is? Maybe you're going to start this week. What is one thing that you can do to remember the community around you? How can you bring rest and restoration to those around you through your own rest and your own restoration? The Sabbath is just one of the many gifts that God gives us to remember that our journey with him is not just about us, but about those who are around us, right? Another thing that he gives us is communion. So if you want to grab your communion elements and start trying to open those things. Uh, Hold on to them. We'll take them together here in just a minute. But if you're new here with us, we do communion every week. And we have what we call an open table. And all that means is that you don't have to be a partner or member at Real Life on the Palouse. All that we ask for All that we encourage is that you have decided to become a member of the family of God. That you have made that decision that you are, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And we would love to invite you to take communion with us today. Each week that we do this, it is an invitation for us to remember so many things. To remember God's forgiveness, God's love. His grace and mercy, to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and to remember that we are not doing this alone. To remember that we are part of a community, a family, the family of God. Which is one of the reasons why I really love that we wait to take this together just solidifies that fact for me, my own mind. We are a family. We are a community. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and after he blessed it and gave thanks for it, he broke it and gave it to his, his guys and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember together. And then after the meal, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember his sacrifice. Father God, I, Lord, I thank you for my family that you have brought into my life. This family of believers that have new people add to it every day this community that you have brought us all into here, Lord. Not just here at Real Life, but also in Moscow and the Palouse. Lord, you have brought us into an amazing place in your creation to put you on display. Lord God, I just pray for myself and I pray for my brothers and my sisters here today that, Lord, that you help us to Take time this week to reflect on Sabbath. 
Help us to see what the heart of Sabbath is. To rest in you, to be restored through you. And out of that, remember our community. And bring that restoration to those that you have brought into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.